this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net it is the education show and well we've got good news and not so good news so so should we start with the good news my special guest once again is we have dr yen verhoeven with us from key learning hello yen hi glad to be here so the good news part about this whole thing is you're going to you're going to be talking to us bi-monthly now. Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. The the not so good news is it's only going to be bi-monthly because I mean I think you and I could could chat easily like weekly if not monthly. <laughs> We'll save it up though. We'll save it up for, for, for our bi-monthly one. So we're doing uh, <laughs> this one now, which is just pre-Christmas. Uh, and then uh, probably mm, end of January, beginning of February, I think will be the next one. But we'll let you know about that. Uh, so let's dive straight in though, um, because there's been so many changes in our world this year. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Uh, I, I know for you guys in the States, because Yen, uh, if you missed out on our, our last chat with Yen, uh, she's based in uh, the United States. So it's very early in the morning for her. And uh, it's sort of well, just uh, three o'clock in the afternoon for me. So almost almost time for me to knock off and go and have a G&T. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's the sort of sacrifices that we make to do the fun things that we do. But amongst those changes, though, has been the shift towards online learning and now the shift towards back to classroom learning and in some cases uh, what people are now calling blended learning. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So so let's start off with with in terms of of online learning because the last time we spoke mm -hmm. everything was still very much up in the air. Has it changed a lot for you guys? Absolutely. There are a lot of districts that um, open, you know, their district openings and closings are really based on the number of um, the percentages of people that are infected in their communities. So, I, for example, our local community here in Ames, Iowa, went fully online last week. And then in another week, they're planning on going back to their hybrid or blended learning model. So it's it's just wavering all the time. And I'm hearing this across the country in the United States. Some schools are going online fully. Other schools are, you know, doing their hybrid and, and whatnot. And it's pretty chaotic out here. <laughs> now, in terms of this, though, Ian, because this has been an, a remarkably challenging time for, for oh, learners, yes. but also for teachers and, and, and oh, yes. educators. And we sort of often, you know, as, as parents, we go, well, can't wait to get the, the little tykes back to school so they can be <laughs> out of our hair. Uh, but we don't think about, about the teachers. How is this, this blend of online or just online or back in the classroom, how has that been working and, and how are educators looking at dealing with that kind of thing? Oh my goodness. It's, terrible. It's probably one of the worst things you could ever do to education. You know, I mean, it's sort of like being in the middle of a meeting and then having somebody turn on the fire alarm and everybody has to evacuate one building, do their instruction outside on the parking lot. And then when everything is clear, having them go back into the classroom again, this is what 
life is like for a lot of these teachers. But not only that, the hybrid model, I, I just have to be very frank with you, is one of the dumbest things I have ever heard. Now, I don't know the situation in South Africa, but in the United States, we have teachers that are being asked to do both online with students that are fully online, hybrid, where they've got some students that are, um, you know, in the classroom while there are students online. So they're doing, they have to be in almost three different places at once. So can you imagine, can you imagine being in a Zoom meeting, right, and having students in front of you to teach as well? No, I can't. (laughs) That's the short answer. (laughs) <laughs> right. This this is what our, our teachers are faced with. So in some ways, you know, a workload, it, it was hard enough to have students in the classroom. Right. I mean, we talked about this uh, the last time I was here. You know, teachers just don't get enough credit for the work that they do. And in a normal year, that burnout, that exhaustion happens, you know, toward the end of the year. This time, though, it's already happening because there is just so much being asked of teachers and they're not getting any breaks. Yeah, you know, the, the, and, and we did talk about this and and this is one of the things. I mean, last time there was this, we, we, we put out this very impassioned call for for a revolution amongst uh, yes. amongst teachers and and in demanding certain things, which is absolutely, I believe, necessary across the board. But yes. in terms of this blended and online, I, I'm not certain. Most of our schools, as far as I know, um, a lot of the d- various grades have gone back. There are some that still haven't gone back to school yet, which mm-hmm. I can imagine is 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 creating quite a quite a strain on on both uh, parents and teachers. Uh, what worries me, though, is what are we going to do next year? Because at the moment, our country, South Africa, is experiencing once again an uptick in, in COVID infections. Yes. So they're now going to, at, at the moment, it looks like we're almost doing this hotspot model where there's going to be different regions and different areas that may experience lockdown or tighter restrictions which again is is you know I, we all sort of said that as soon as 2020 is done it's going to be a wonderful time everything is going to be back to normal the reality <laughs> is uh, what we used to and I believe this what we used to know as normal is long gone uh, oh, yeah. what is, what is your feeling and take on that Yen? well i think i'm just thinking uh, about this a little bit i think one of the issues again like you know, you you just said a whole lot right there. So I'm trying to unpack it. And Sorry, I'm I tend to do that. No, that's okay. Um, I think one of the pieces that we have to to think about as you were talking is my brain immediately went into okay, what do teachers need to do to kind of navigate these really troubled waters, right? Because as you said, um, South Africa is going into the hotspot model. We're, you know, the United States, I would say, is already in the hotspot model, um, and it's just not good for teachers and it's not good for students. One of my biggest concerns right now is um, teacher well-being. You know, how are they handling all of this, especially because, you know, we give a lot of love to our healthcare workers, which, I mean, is completely respected and, and deserved, But at the same time, we need to also give a lot of love to our teachers right now, too, and a lot of empathy as well. But I would also say there are things that teachers can do. 
to kind of hold the line to. Okay, this is this is fantastic because this is something I wanted to move on to because <laughs> I, I know a few teachers and mm-hmm. I promise you these poor people look like they've aged 10 years in this in this year of 2020. And oh, goodness. I yes. can only imagine, you know, my, my sort of frame of reference would be from a business perspective, but I'm not sitting in a classroom with 10, 20, 30, sometimes even more learners um, and then suddenly getting the, that particular carpet yanked out from under me and then having mm. to move online and back online. Where would an educator start to, to kind of look at the self-care? And what, what did you have in sure. mind there? So I think one of the biggest things that we have to think about, and this is part of that rebel teaching that I explain to teachers, is, um, you know, on any given year, we are asked to teach to the standards. But what a lot of teachers don't realize sometimes is that the standards is um, a losing game. You're in a game where the odds are already against you. And this is what I mean. There is no possible way to completely address the standards fully in a way that actually gives them justice. That's one. There's too many. The other thing is, for the most part, I know in the United States it's like this, the assessments for these standards are not aligned to what the standards are actually asking students to do. Now, The reason why this is so important to understand is that if you're in a losing game where the odds are already against you, where it's designed to grind you down to the bone, down to exhaustion, down to demoralizing your very core as a teacher, because there's no way, there's no way you can teach them all in a year. Um, And I shouldn't say that. There's a way to teach them all in a year. There's no way students can learn them all in a year. Once we understand that game, we can bend the rules to what we can do and what is humanly capable in that year, okay? So that's one thing. So meaning, one of the first things that teachers need to do is stop playing the standards game. Stop worrying about checking all the boxes on the standards, hoping that you can actually get them covered and get them through. So that's why. All right. If that makes sense. (laughs) It it does make sense. Every every time you talk about rebel teaching and everything, I I, I think I'm potentially, um, and maybe I'm going to get myself into trouble for it, but potentially one one of the biggest fans of that because I see what is expected of teachers, and I and and my whole this whole concept of of parrot fashion book learning, and and you have to do X Y and Z in the prescribed manner. You know, you can teach. It doesn't necessarily mean that the the, the students are learning. So I'm right there right? with you. I'm right there with you. So let's let's move along with sure. with this discussion, and and let's talk a little bit more about this. Of course. So once you understand, once we understand that it's not about the standards, the next thing to think about as a teacher then is, what is it that we as teachers originally believe in? Because here's the thing that I I remind teachers, right? We have a most unique training. I said this in the last uh, podcast, but teachers 
in the entire system, if we look at the entire school system, teachers are the most trained to teach students in that system, right? Like these are the doctors in the medical system. Our teachers are the doctors in the medical system. So what we need to do as rebel teachers is to own that message, to know that you are, as a teacher, fully capable of reaching and teaching your students. Now, this, for some people that are listening, you're like, well, that doesn't help me. Actually, it does, because here's the thing. You know, as a teacher, whether or not a student is learning or not, you know, as a teacher, what that student needs. This is what your training is about. Don't follow what the administrators are telling you. Don't follow what parents are saying, well, we have to hit the standards. We have to, they have to know X, Y, and Z. No, what you need to follow is knowing what is it your students need from you. And something more powerful than knowing the facts is knowing and giving kids the tools on how to learn any fact. If you can teach kids how to learn, you have given them the keys to their own destiny. And that is probably, I've got goosebumps listening to that because in <laughs> fact, I had, I had an interview with somebody the other day uh, mm -hmm. and we were chatting about this whole concept of, of you know, repeating everything verbatim from the book and you, you get your, your good test scores and your grades and you walk out of that exam room and immediately forget everything because yes. it, it was crammed in there. And, and we discussed the concept of this whole brain learning and what to do and, and teach people how to learn, teach people yes. how to think. Um, you know, th there's a couple of subjects I was forced to take when I was in school. I don't think I've used them ever. Uh, you well, know, and, and I was one of those, those horrible students who kept on asking, but why? Why exactly. am I learning this? But why? And, you know, you, at that, that stage, you can't understand the teacher's response, you know, because the book mm -hmm. says so. But, you know, I understand where teachers stand as well. But the concept of burnout as well, and, and that's something that I've discovered during the course of this year, is if, you, if you've literally had your passion and your vocation kicked out of you, Mm -hmm. don't really want to show up every day. No. And, and, and I think this is a big problem. Yes, because, you know, like I said, the problem with our education system, the big problem with our education system is they don't want teachers to actually be teachers. It's designed so that they are robots who march through their day, making students go through one test after the other, one fact after the other. Well, unfortunately, our society has changed. I, I shouldn't say that. God, that sounded terrible, didn't it? Um, <laughs> what I meant was, um, you know, fortunately, our society has evolved. Unfortunately, our system has not. And I think we talked about this before. The education system was built on a model to make factory workers. The problem is we don't need factory workers right now. We need innovators and creators. But the difference is this. In order to have innovators and creators, we also need innovating and creative teachers. And the issue, just like you, you were saying, is that, you know, you've got the system that grinds all of that passion out of you. So how do you show up being the best of you to your students who deserve it? 
And I think one of the things that we need to think about, and again, the reason why I'm talking kind of cryptically in some ways or, or um, abstractly is, you know, and, and don't worry, listeners, because I will tell you some techniques on how to do this in a minute. But the reason why I'm starting with this abstract notion is because it starts with the mindset shift in you as a teacher to understand what your teaching priorities actually are. Because like I said before, if your teaching priority, how you teach, not what you you believe, but how you teach is about checking off the boxes for each of the standards, that has to change and shift. And this pandemic is forcing you to change and shift to a model that's more about how do we teach and nurture a classroom full of learners, lifelong learners, okay? And so when we shift to that model, realize then as you're switching back and forth between the classroom and online and, and all what knows whatever you know districts are, are asking teachers to do now, um, if you maintain that your goal is to develop lifelong learners to help students learn in any situation, that goal becomes your North Star and it's going to make your teaching so much easier. Because now when you approach the classroom, instead of saying, my goal is to hit these 10 different standards today and oh my gosh, my kids are so burned out and exhausted, there's just no way to do it. Now the goal is, how can I help my students learn in this environment? How can I help my students learn from these different transitions that the world is making us do? How can I help my students leverage that, get what they need from that, and learn from the actual experiences of what's happening right now? And, and that is so true. And as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking, and I do stand to correction here because I was out of that schooling system long before they brought it in here. But in South <laughs> Africa, a little while ago, uh, they brought in something called outcomes-based education. Mm, and mm -hmm. a lot of people were like, fantastic. The problem was the people who wanted to buy into it were generally the teachers, the educators. Uh, the people in the administrative roles went, oh, this is not how it's always been done. We don't know how to do this. And yes. to, to my mind, that outcomes-based education fell flat on its face, not because of teachers, though. Uh, right? And then they reverted back to this the, the old model. And, you know, factory workers that, that are there to take instruction and very little else, those times, as you've mentioned, are gone. They, they yes. are long, long gone. We, we're talking, um, and I think we mentioned this as well the last time, we're talking now, um, and depending on who you listen to, we're either starting the fourth industrial revolution, we're in it, or mm -hmm. it's past, and we're moving along already. This is how fast things are changing. And yes. I can't help but, but sort of sit there cheering you on and going, yes, rebel teachers of the world unite. How, <laughs> how do we as teachers, though, and educators, how do we take care of ourselves, though? Because if, if right. you're empty, if your tank is empty, there's just no way you can continue to give. So, right. so where do we start there? 
So there's two places to start. So like I said, one of those places is re-envisioning how you're teaching. So rather than teaching 20 different things at once, which is going, it's, it's not going to work, especially right now, right? It's just not going to happen. Instead of teaching 20 different things, teach one thing deeply. That's one way. So minimizing. So what, what I say is teach smarter, not harder. Teach in a way that's efficient. Okay. So again, this is a mindset shift, but it's one that's very powerful because instead of teaching 20 things, you're only focusing on one or two, right? The other thing is to maintain, and this is the part I think teachers have the hardest trouble with, maintain your boundaries. Meaning if you have an administrator that's like, hey, I need you to do, you know, these 20 different standards, I invite you to stand up to that and to say, I'm sorry, but that's not possible. I can teach it, but my students are not going to learn it given the situation. Speak Mm -hmm. from your expertise and push back. And not in an aggressive and not in an aggressive way, though. Just no. you know, you've got you've got facts behind you. One of the things That's I know right. that happen that happens in South Africa, um, and again, I'm talking about something that happened in the past with with uh, friends of mine that are teachers. Is mm-hmm. we have what is called extracurricular activities. So it's various sporting activities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, maybe drum majorettes or the marching band or whatever it is after school. Yes. And very often the teachers just get loaded with that as well. And then I went, yes. I don't, I don't <laughs> know the first, I don't know the first thing about hockey. And they will, you, you're going to be taking that after school. That is what you have to do. Is this one of those situations where you should go, well, Mr. Administrator, Mrs. Administrator, I don't think that's going to be practical in terms of what I'm able to give my students. Right. And I mean, that's that's the thing that's important. Now, I realize, and this is one of the things in the United States, teachers are in toxic work environments. We have to accept that. If you're in an environment where your professional expertise is not being honored, where you feel your voice is not being heard, you are in a toxic environment. I want teachers to be able to identify those situations that they're in. And if you're in a toxic environment, it means that the blame is not on you. The responsibility falls on the administrator to help you. That, and that's a different positioning. A lot of teachers oftentimes take it all in, right? We're givers, we want people to be happy. We want people to be happy at our expense. And one of the important things that we have to keep in mind is that in a toxic environment, nothing you do is going to make your administrator happy because your administrator is not there to make you happy, so to speak. And what I mean by that is your administrator does not have the training that you do. If you're letting your administrator lead the reins, on what happens in your classroom, nobody's going to be happy because they're not the expert. You are. So, mm, okay, you, yeah, that's right? making sense. So I'll, I, I give it. I, here's the equivalent. This is, I and I, I don't remember if I, I shared this on a podcast or not. Say, for instance, 
you know, you're a doctor and you have a number of patients, your receptionist says anybody who comes in with a headache, you're going to give them an aspirin and that's it. But you as a doctor know that when people come in with headaches, they're caused by various different reasons. However, because your secretary says that they are only allowed an aspirin, that is all they are allowed to get. But if you have somebody that comes in with severe headaches, migraines, and things like that, you give them the aspirin first, you keep giving them the aspirin, and then you have to make this long documentation and create a case for why this person actually needs special treatment. Do you see the problem? Yeah, absolutely. Right? And here's the thing, okay? So this is the reason why over 60% of our population, our fourth grade students in the United States test below proficiency in science and math. 60% are below proficiency. Imagine in the healthcare system, if we said that 60% of the people that go into a healthcare system don't get treated for their diseases. There would be an uproar. There would be an absolute uproar. So, but this is the situation that we have in the education system, see? So, you know, when it comes to limits, like what you you were saying about, you know, uh, being loaded and overloaded with more work, it is in your way as a teacher, your responsibility to make sure that you maintain your boundaries. And some of those boundaries is saying no. Because the thing is, the number one priority that you have is to be the best person you can be for your students in the classroom. It's about showing up and doing the job that you're paid to do, but doing the job you're paid to do in a way that is personally satisfying for you and for your students. But oftentimes, teachers come into this situation and their gut, they know they're missing 60% of their students or, or however many of their students. They know they're not reaching them. Can you imagine how that feels day after day after day, knowing that your expertise has been tossed aside and you are now just a cog in the system? It's demoralizing. It must so be you absolutely have- soul-destroying, Yes. Absolutely. And so what we have to do as teachers is to put our healthy boundaries in place. And yes, there are going to be teachers where you are in a situation where that may not be possible. And this is what I want you to consider if it's not possible for you. If you are in a toxic environment where your administrators, your boss does not let you set up healthy boundaries for your mental health and, and, and satisfaction and happiness. Are you sure this is a place you want to be? Wow. Okay. That's right. That's, <laughs> but you know, Yen, the strange part about that is in, in terms of the corporate and the business world, this is what is encouraged. You know, think about yes. this. If your boss is doing this, if you're unhappy, if 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 you feel like you're just a cog in the system, um, move along. Find somebody who appreciates you. And yet, if teachers want to do that, they get frowned upon. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, you know, we um, we talked about this last time, where a lot of teachers are in a situation where it's an abusive relationship with kids involved. Yeah, yeah, very much so. 
right? And so you have this abusive relationship. That's what it is. If you are in an environment where your where your boundaries are not being respected, you are in an abusive relationship. Period. Because here's the thing, teachers, you are human beings and you deserve to take time off. You deserve breaks. You deserve to have your boundaries respected, right? This is a a basic human right that should be there for everybody. And you deserve, you know, to work within reasonable hours, you know, to go home within reasonable hours and to be able to put that, you know, all that school stuff and everything in a box so that you can go home and enjoy your life. And when I say enjoy your life, I'm not talking about going home, making dinner, putting the kids to bed, and then suddenly you're back at work. No, that's not a healthy situation. A healthy situation is when you're in a place that allows you to have that balance. Now, I understand that this year with the pandemic, that is not the best situation. But you as a teacher, it is not up to you. It is not your responsibility, or I should say this another way. You should not be expected to solve the problems of the pandemic by sacrificing your health and well-being. It's a very good point. Yeah, and as always, we, we we're approaching that time where we're going to have to, to wrap up. But sure. <laughs> where we this are, time is always so short, you know. It, it is, isn't it? But <laughs> where we are in South Africa is is we're sort of winding down our, our year in terms of, of education and uh, people are getting ready to go and enjoy the holidays and uh, the festive season, et cetera, et cetera. What yes. tips? Do you have a tip or a couple of tips for teachers, for educators to do over this period of time just to get those batteries recharged. Absolutely. Um, and and I was I was gonna start sharing those things. So first, as you're going over the holidays, do think about your mindset shift. How can you teach smarter and not harder when you get back? Especially now that you're on break, it's gonna give you a little bit of time to breathe, right? As you're breathing, rebel teachers should also be strategizing ways of maintaining those healthy boundaries when you're back at work. What can you let go? What are all, you know, what are your priorities going to be? The other thing, and this is a a really good professional trick. And I, you know, especially for us um, workaholics out there, like I'm a recovering workaholic. I don't mind saying that um, is scheduling in time for yourself on your calendar, like a meeting. So having a meeting with yourself that is, you know, aggressively defended so that you have that time to yourself. Do things for you and don't feel guilty about it. It is not selfish when you are preserving your own time to recharge your batteries in whatever way that feels like. You know best what you, your heart, mind, and soul needs. And so give it to yourself. Allow yourself that space by scheduling it into your your calendar if need be. Schedule those days off. Schedule those times where you need time for yourself. And then use that time to recharge and refresh. 
I think that is incredibly sound advice. And, and you know, <laughs> I, as you were mentioning the calendar thing, I was, I was sort of chuckling to myself because my calendar looks like somebody's taken a, a pot full of the, the letters of the alphabet and thrown it <laughs> at the calendar. And it's just wherever it's stuck, it's stuck. And that's when you have to work. And it's all the time. Um, right. And that's, that's one of the things that I've actually been deciding on doing as well is, is yes. getting, getting, you know, claiming back some time where I can do things that, that, that mean something to me. Going for a walk. We live on a lovely big property. Um, over this year, where we should have had more time to go out for walks. We haven't. Right? That's just fallen by the wayside. You know, time to go out and, and maybe do something nice and, and have a, a, a relaxing massage or spend some time in yes. contemplation and read. And maybe, and, and may I be presumptuous and say this, don't read something that has to do with education. Read yes. something that you enjoy. Read a trash romance novel. You know, do something, right? Like indulge. Be indulgent about the things that you do because that because here's the thing when you do that when you do the things that refresh you you are giving back to your students because when you show up you are now a hundred percent who you are and being fully present for them the other thing is in terms of scheduling david because i had this issue too where you know everything was willy-nilly and i'd start my day at you know 6 a.m sometimes and it wouldn't end until seven right so what i did is I looked at my calendar and I said, no, every Monday in the mornings, I have a block of four hours that I schedule, which is me time. It's whatever time it is, but I am not allowed to work. My weekends now too, it's it's spread to my weekends where on the weekends, I don't work unless like it's a huge emergency. Now, the thing is, um, teachers, you didn't hear that. So meaning... <laughs> You know, no huge emergencies. You block out that time and you defend it and make it a regularly scheduled time. Maybe it's a standing meeting that happens every single week. This is how I've done it, is I have a standing meeting every single week with myself on Monday mornings for four hours where I exercise, I, you know, meditate, I do the things that I know are going to refresh me. But also it's like, what I would what I would equate this to is, you know, we go into battle against the system every day when we teach, when we walk into the classroom. That time that you schedule is time for you to get into the mindset of preparing for that battle in some ways, right? Where you have to rest, you have to polish your armor, you have to, you know, repair the chinks, you have to do these things before you can go out onto the battlefield again and battle the system while defending your students. Make that a regular spot in your calendar and say, I'm sorry when people ask to schedule over it, I'm sorry, I have a meeting with a really important person that time. Let's schedule something else. Very, very good advice. And sound advice mm -hmm. to, to, to wrap it up uh, for this particular <laughs> edition. Um, before you know it, I'm going to be chatting to you again, and it's going to feel like we only chatted yesterday, because that is the yes. next time at the moment. But uh, Yen, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and chatting to us, and for agreeing to do it, uh, as I said, bi-monthly, because uh, people really... Oh, it's my pleasure. Look forward to hearing our Rebel Teacher segment. Uh, so that's a good thing. And uh, from all of us here in South Africa and everybody at Zabuza.net, uh, we wish you a very, very happy holidays 
and uh, a lot of rest and relaxation for you. Great. And thank you, David. Can I just put in one quick plug? Yes, please do, because that was what I was going to ask you before <laughs> I let you go. Okay. Plug away. <laughs> okay. So um, two things are happening in key learning right now. If you are interested in these techniques, as you're thinking over the holidays, we have a time-saving strategies for elementary STEM workshop, three-day workshop that is coming up on December 17th through the 19th. You can find out more information about that at, and I, I actually shortened the link, it's bit.ly, B-I-T period L-Y backslash 2020 save time. Again, that website is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash 2020 save time. You can also find it and a number of our other courses in our key learning website, QI learning.com. And I hope to see you there. We are not going to go hard on the technique, but we are definitely going to go hard on how we strategize teaching to save our time so we can spend it getting more massages. Fantastic stuff. Everybody <laughs> needs more massages in their life. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, the most, it's the most amazing thing. And if you can do it, go out and do it. Yen, all the best for you. If people need to contact you personally via the website is probably the best way to do it then, which uh, is yes. simply qilearning.com. Yes, and my email is there, um, a lot of information about our team. We also now have a homeschooling section. So um, I have partnered with Jennifer Terry, who is a socio-emotional learning specialist, as well as a culturally relevant pedagogy specialist. And she is also, just so you know, it's also in the key learning page, going to be teaching a class. So if you're a parent and you're interested in how do we incorporate STEM into like everyday things like cooking, she's doing a cooking class called Pop Rock Science, you know, popping sugar that pops in that. your mouth. I yes. want to do that. I want some pop rock <laughs> sounds. Uh, the good news though, just as well, so I can give a plug as well, is yeah. that we're going to be chatting to Jennifer, I believe, uh, early in January. So yes. <laughs> that. That's going to be fantastic. So thank you for that as well. Of course. Of course. So there we go. Lots of exciting things happening. Once again, Yen, have yourself a fantastic festive season. Uh, and you're going to have some time to give your dog some lots of, lots of loves and hugs and cuddles as well. So it won't yes. be a when you're working. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yen thank you, working. David. Thank you so much. Enjoy your time. There we go. That was my Great. special guest, Dr. Yen Verwerpen, <laughs> our rebel teacher slot. That's what we're going to call it from now on. And we're going to talk about whatever, whatever is rebel teachery. So we look forward to that. Uh, we'll be back again with you very, very soon. To each and every one of you, thank you for listening. That was the education show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.